Hello, welcome to the Health and Wellness Show. Today is Friday, September 2nd, 2016. I am your host, Erica. Joined in the studio today with me is Tiffany, Gabby, Doug, and Elliot. Hello. Hello there. Hello, guys. Topic today is the heat is on, saunas, sunlight, and sweat lodges. Saunas. Saunas. So the skin is, is your body's largest and fastest growing organ. Skin is your body's coat. It protects you. It helps you stay warm when it's cold and cool when it's hot. How can we nourish, replenish, and maintain our body's special coat? So today we'll be discussing how sauna, sweating in a sauna is one of the keys to living a longer, happier, and healthier life. Not only is it a physical detoxification for your body, but sweating in a sauna or sweat lodge or in the sun can be an emotional detoxifier as well. We'll discuss the numerous benefits of getting the heat on, hydrating and toning the skin, filtering your airways, relaxing muscles, reducing joint, bone issues, de-stressing the digestive system, encouraging introspection and reflection, improving blood circulation, and relaxing the nervous system, decreasing stress and anxiety. So get your sweat on. And call in if you have some good sauna experiences. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So we wanted to start off today about talking about the benefits of sweating. Who's sweating out there? <laughs> it's pretty hot here, actually. I'm sweating in, sweating in preparation for this show. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good thing, right? Sweating is a good thing? Definitely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a there's study... Actually- in uh, 2011, in Canada, Doug, you like this. The Canadians are doing well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they tested all of these people, had them do something that induced sweat, like get in a sauna or exercise, and they had them collect their sweat. But an interesting thing that they found is that different bodily fluids excrete different toxins. So there's certain... Oh toxins that are only excreted in your sweat and there are Mm. certain that are better excreted through urine but they tested a bunch of different heavy metals like arsenic aluminum bismuth cobalt Mm. cadmium chromium copper mercury manganese molybdenum nickel lead antimony selenium tin thallium uranium and zinc And they found that first women were more efficient at excreting trace minerals through their sweat than men were, Hmm. uh, probably because they have more fat. And they found that the infrared sauna works better for bismuth, cadmium, chromium, mercury, and uranium. And uh, the only elements that were excreted more in urine were thallium, arsenic, molybdenum, and selenium. Huh. So they that's handy. Yeah, basically yeah. sweat, you got to get your sweat on to get out the most of the trace minerals that you want to detoxify from yourself. Because if you check your blood levels, it may not give you a true picture of how toxic you are because mm. it depends on your activity levels, your hydration levels, how much you eat, 
and different toxins shift between body tissues. So taking your blood sample will only give you a snapshot. If you want to really, really get rid of stuff, you got to sweat. It'd be interesting to know how many people actually do sweat on a regular basis. Um, because I, I know for sure that in the winter time, I'm, I don't really sweat that much. Um, mm. I wouldn't say that I do enough physical activity to, to work up a sweat sort of like on a weekly basis. Um, and I know that, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who are so toxic for whatever reason that they find it difficult to actually sweat anyway. Yeah. even when they yeah. do do physical exercise. So, I mean, if, if what you're saying, Tiff, is that, you know, sweating is one of the best ways to, to excrete these toxins, then, yeah, I mean, we need to find, find out the ways which, which can help, help that process along, don't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, exercise is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Not anything crazy like trying to run a marathon or anything, <laughs> but a very brisk walk for about 30 minutes or so might get things flowing. Yeah, there's some there's some conflicting research on that. I, in preparation for the show, I was reading some different stuff, and there was one person who said, and I don't I don't have it in front of me, so I don't know how well backed up it was, but they said that um, you need to be in um, parasympathetic mode, so the relaxed rest and digest mode, to be able to kind of kick in your your detox um, system. And that exercise is not as good as things like saunas or other um, modalities where you're just kind of chilling out because by exercising, you're actually increasing the sympathetic, which is the the fight or flight kind of mode. So that um, exercise, I mean, I'm sure you're getting some of the bad stuff out just by sweating, Mm -hmm. but it's not um, activating like active detox. So you need to be in rest and relaxation mode to actually get into that pathway in the first place. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. For me too. Also in the context of all these cultures, uh, which have sweat lodges or, you know, uh, little places where they could go and sweat in a relaxing setting. They have found Mm -hmm. some of them are like thousands of years of years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like yeah there's one article actually um, on SOT called How Stone Age Man Kept His Pores Clean in the Sauna. And it was basically talking about there's like this, they found this um, structure. Um, I think it was not too far from Stonehenge, actually. Um, and basically the only thing they can really determine that it was was some kind of sweat lodge type thing because uh, the almost the entire thing is taken up by this like fire pit type structure. So they're like, yep, it must be a sauna. Like they can't, you know, they might be wrong. It might be used for something else, but it looked like that's what it was for. They can't really determine what else it could be. Yeah, maybe they use it for roasting pigs. (laughs) (laughs) And themselves. Well, that's probably how they (laughs) discovered it. They were roasting a pig, sitting in there in the room with them, and they got all sweaty and they noticed that they felt better. (laughs) (laughs) They had an ecstatic experience during a pig roast. (laughs) So who all has an infrared sauna or infrared sauna blanket? I do. I've got one. I do. I don't, unfortunately. Oh, oh. Oh, Elliot, yeah, I've, I've never actually tried it. I've never even tried <laughs> it. There's one down the road. There's one, um, like a gym facility mm. 
it's only like five miles away, but I just, yeah, I've been lazy. I, just, <laughs> I haven't gone there yet. Yes. You can walk there. <laughs> Get a pre-sweat before you sweat. Yeah, just not too fast. I don't want to activate that sympathetic nervous system. <laughs> well, I shared on a previous show that I was never a sweater. When we, we've mm. talked about this topic of far infrared saunas before, and I was never a sweater. And when I started using the infrared blanket, it took, you know, three to four months, but it really helped open up all those pathways. And um, I had very bad circulation, poor circulation, cold feet all the time, cold hands, and the sauna really helped with that. And I don't have that issue anymore. So I think, you know, as we we're talking about, some people don't sweat at all. I think, you know, maybe there's this fear of sweating, like, oh, it's, you know, stinky or whatever. But I think mm. for for me, I really noticed a huge difference. And um Again, it really helped with circulation, things like uh, varicose veins and stuff like that, you know, where you're, you um, open up those pathways. And um, it really helped detox heavy metals for me, particularly mercury mm. and arsenic. So there's the, yeah. the far infrared sauna blanket, and then there's that little device that's far infrared that you there's a chair in it, and it's kind of like a zip-up thing. So it's not actually touching your body. You're not wrapped up like the sauna blanket. And then there's the the units where you walk into it and sit down like a room. But I only have uh-huh. the far infrared blanket. But it depends on how toxic you are. Because uh, when I first started, it would take me a long time to begin to sweat. And I had it all the way to 60 Celsius. Mm. And I think that's about 140 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. So I would do that, yeah. And um, I've tried it with some family members and put them in it, and uh, they wouldn't sweat until they got out of the blanket. A lot of huh. times, that's how toxic they were. Yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon. When I first started getting into the sauna blanket, it didn't. It never took me a long time. Like it was probably like within ten or fifteen minutes, I would be kind of sweating. And then um, as I went on with it, I seemed to start sweating more, like quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time, you know, I haven't actually done it in a long time, but by the time I, I kind of finished, I was basically like sweating as soon as I got in there. Yeah, and you notice when you're laying in there, first of all, it's very relaxing and soothing, and it's hard to stay awake. But you yeah. notice <laughs> that your your heart rate increases and your circulation speeds up. And it's actually really, really good for heart patients like people who can't tolerate any kind of exercise whatsoever, you put yeah. them in the sauna blanket, and they actually did a study where they had these heart patients, and they used saunas, far infrared saunas, and in three weeks they noticed an improvement in their their heart function. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't There's another that's interesting. Oh. oh, that's pretty amazing because usually they don't tolerate a normal sauna, mm-hmm. like a cabin, you know. Uh, like a sweat lodge, but they can tolerate far infrared sauna just fine. Mm-hmm. There was a Finnish study actually where they studied uh, Finnish men, and it was just an epidemiological study. So you know, there might be some co-founding factors there, but uh, they found that um, men aged forty-two to sixty uh, who did regular saunas had a decreased risk of heart disease and a lower chance of dying from all causes. Mm-hmm. Um. 
what was it? Uh, those who enjoy a sauna four to seven times per week have a 48% lower risk of fatal heart disease or heart attack um, over those who use a sauna once a week. So doing it more often seems to be um, definitely more helpful. Um, there was another point here. Vascular endothelial dysfunction um, can cause chronic heart failure. Uh, sauna therapy promotes vasodilation and improves vascular endothelial dysfunction in patients who have it. So that's mm. pretty good because endothelial mm-hmm. dysfunction is basically also the root of the problem with when people have heart attacks. It's just basically inflammation of the blood vessels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and what I think is nice about the sauna too, for a lot of people they don't like heat and so going into a sauna room or you know the at the spa like Elliot was talking about at the gym so with the blanket your head is not obviously in the blanket and so it's easier to adapt mm. because well, yeah. we'll talk yeah, about sweat, sweat lodges my head just as much <laughs> really <laughs> oh yeah i told you i had to put a towel under my head when i did it because my head would be sweating just as much i mean it's not you know it's not immersed in the heat but because the rest of your body is it's just like yeah your sweat. head definitely will sweat even if it's not in the blanket you'll yeah. emerge with an the afro whole thing at was times. a very moist experience <laughs> i i had a little experience recently with i'm very heat intolerant like i don't really like to be hot so i've been my saunas a lot <laughs> and recently I went on holidays and I was able to experience a Russian banya which is a Russian sauna mm. it's basically like a, like a Finnish uh, sweat lodge uh, you go into a little cabin and the temperatures is extremely high and uh, well you're scrubbing your skin we used some honey and uh, with coffee to use as a scrub uh, as a scrubber and uh, afterwards, very cold water, and then you get out. It's probably total like 10 of 20 minutes. I felt so great after that. <laughs> At first, you know, I thought I was going to faint. I was like, okay, here I'm going to just... <laughs> So I started breathing slowly, remembering our previous discussion of cryotherapy. I know it has nothing to do with cryotherapy, but breathing slowly seems to be the key to tolerate it. (laughs) And um, yes, I was able to tolerate it just fine. And afterwards, I I cannot describe the effect. It's like the well-being, my mood just like, you know, changed completely to, I was like, feel like... Like almost euphoric, basically. Hmm. And uh, after that, I have to pee a lot, you know, and I was like pretty much in quotes blocked for the previous days. So I was so impressed that when, as soon as I went home, yes, I tried the part for its son again. Mm-hmm. And I was able to sweat uh, faster, which is why I had the same problem as Eric, uh, yeah, uh, in the beginning. And uh, yes. I think the effect was to sustain. It's like the key is just to break a good sweat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's interesting too because it seems that um, exposing yourself to heat in this manner actually has a hormetic effect. So horm- hormesis is when um, <clears throat> you, you give your body a small dose of a negative uh, stimulus and the body reacts to that and uh, you know, increases all these things that can help to um, adapt to that. Um, so it has an overall beneficial um, effect. 
And there was one study I was reading where they said that actually um, by doing regular saunas, you actually become more heat resistance and then that can help with um, any kind of endurance exercise. Mm -hmm. So it actually helps um, with your ability to withstand longer periods of uh, endurance exercise just by helping you um, adapt to that heat. Uh-huh. Yeah, and speaking of the, uh, the hormetic effects, <clears throat> when you give your body exposure to some kind of stress, um, it'll create something called heat shock proteins. Mm-hmm. And they're produced during heat stress, and it can actually increase your lifespan, according to some studies. And heat shock mm-hmm. proteins, they're created by your cells during stress, and they mm-hmm. regulate the proper unfolding of your proteins. Uh, so you want as much of your proteins exposed as possible so that the heat shock proteins will make sure they're unfolded properly. And they also <laughs> inhibit apoptosis and necrosis, and it boosts your immune system and protects your it's like a It's like a rejuvenation marker, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. yeah. I wonder if the same thing happens with cold therapy. Um. Uh, Probably. Cold shock proteins? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, I, I'm the opposite of Gabby. I can handle heat. It's the cold. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I love it's both for me. I'm terrible with well, both of them. Try the Russian mania in winter. They do extreme hot and then they get exposed to extreme cold. Mm-hmm. And yes. I swear that's the key. Yeah. There's yeah, like there's yeah. research to back that up, actually. Well, when you think about it, though, like uh, getting really hot is kind of nature's way of killing off critters. Mm-hmm. Like when you're sick, mm-hmm. you get a fever. So you yeah. can kill off bacteria, fungi, or fungi, parasites, and viruses. Um, there are some other studies I've read it, that uh, saunas increase the rate of growth hormone production. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you can like increase your muscle mass and increase mm-hmm. your insulin uh, sensitivity just by getting in a sauna. So if you want to yeah. like was, lose weight and put on muscle, a sauna is a, another good way to do it. You just just don't sit have on to your exercise. ass in a sauna, then you'll yeah. get huge. <laughs> yeah, wasn't there an article about about not needing to do doping drugs for athletes that huh. they could just mm-hmm. do the heat therapy? It's their as own. effective. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, judging from the euphoria that I had, you're going to go yeah. run a marathon, Gabby? If you got really big biceps. <laughs> uh, well, actually, I felt like my, I had I was you know firmer after that, considering that I had not worked out <laughs> two <Okay>. months. <laughs> Well, it was, uh, it was actually, all the water you lost, so the, uh, your yeah, muscles became more it apparent. Heating. It well, was heating below all the toxicity. There is there is a study that showed a hundred and forty two percent increase in growth hormone uh, during sauna use. So there's definitely something to that. There was there was another one that showed um, in 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 the period of seven days, if you have two one hour sauna sessions. Um, it actually showed an increase of growth hormone by a uh, 16-fold. <laughs> I read about it, wow. yeah. I was searching about it because uh, I think it is interesting that, yes, for 
for healthy people for purposes of rejuvenation. But I was wondering, what, what about the elderly or people that are very, very sick? And mm. they did studies and apparently, yes, people start to drop their their horm their growth hormone levels after 50 years old. And uh, they did uh, studies comparing those who were younger, those over 50. And yes, apparently those over 50 uh, don't release growth hormone after a sauna unless um, a specific schedule is made. For example, they tested, they did experiments and they noticed that if you do a sauna for 30 minutes every two days, that releases mm. uh, sustained growth hormone in the elderly. Mm. Even more than doing a 45-minute session, for example. So I thought that was interesting. Mm. So it, it could yeah. be a matter well, of tuning here and there. Well, it doesn't take too long. That one I was mentioning where they said they saw a 142% increase in growth hormone, that was two 15-minute sessions, but they were very hot. So they were at actually 212 Fahrenheit. Now that's something I wouldn't yeah. recommend. People just like jump, jump up and start doing right away. I think you have to probably get up to that level and try and be very safe with it too. Don't go overboard. But yeah, um, yeah apparently it's like you can kind of make up for a shorter session by doing a hotter session. As far as the growth hormone I, I was surprised to read about that too because I had this idea that you have to stay like at least an hour in your sauna. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and actually, even uh, this doctor, Dr. Mac, Dr. Mai Hill, she's from the UK and she treats people with multiple chemical sensitivities, fibromyalgia, people with mitochondrial dysfunction, basically. And she says that, no, you don't have to boil yourself for a long time. <laughs> basically, you basically have to do sh short sessions. You know, it's just like the first minutes you start sweating, that's when everything comes out. And you have to like dry it up so it will not get reabsorbed. So I think that's the key. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so when you guys do the fire infrared sauna blanket, you wear like a sweatsuit and socks and the yeah. whole thing no. in there. I have to wear socks on <laughs> My little toes will get burnt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I <laughs> no, I, I'm fully clothed I, in the sauna. Oh, really? Yeah. I actually like put, put put down towels to kind of absorb the the moisture, but yeah, I put I'm down all towels too. You're all natural. Mm -hmm. huh. Yeah, yeah. I never put on any Your clothes or anything suit. like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, There's a nice image for everybody out there on Radio Land. Yeah, but it's really important, especially you know if you're not used to it, to start at a lower temperature and start just a short session, five to ten minutes, and just work your way up to higher time. Especially if you're older or if you have some kind of chronic disease, you want to take it really slow. If you're pregnant, you definitely mm -hmm. you know should think twice about doing that because you can detoxify a lot of things. Make sure you yeah. consult with a knowledgeable doctor who is knowledgeable in sauna and detoxification before you do it. And you want to make sure that you hydrate really well too, because you're, you'll probably sweat a lot once you get used to it. So you don't want to dehydrate yourself and you want to replace your minerals, especially magnesium afterwards. Mm. Definitely. And uh, some sources that I've read said, you know, when you're done with the sauna, You want to just rinse yourself off with tepid water and not necessarily use soap because that'll, that'll kind of clog your pores. And the whole point of detoxifying through sweat is it you know, kind of opens up your pores. So you want to 
let them close on their own, not like clog them up with soap after you're done getting mm-hmm. into the sauna. Uh-huh. How about cold water? Yes. <laughs> well, a lot of cultures yeah. do. They do the hot and then they do the cold and they go back to the hot and they do the cold. It's really good for improving your circulation. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's a, it's easier to do the cold therapy when you're hot. <laughs> uh, definitely. Yeah, it's yes. way easier. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely found that from personal experience, just like, you know, getting out of the sauna and immediately jumping into a cold shower was way easier than just getting out of bed and doing a cold shower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one interesting thing I found about the, the saunas um, that was kind of confirmed by some of the research out there is I'd always feel really good. It's kind of like you were saying, Gabby, that you kind of felt amazing afterwards. And uh, apparently, saunas actually increase uh, beta endorphins in the blood, leading to a feeling of euphoria. Uh-huh. Um, it's uh, like they've been shown, using saunas have been shown to uh, help improve symptoms of depression uh, in cancer patients. Um, and I mean, you know, that you are exposing yourself to um, a stress. And apparently, going into the sauna re- uh, releases an opioid called dynorphin. Which actually is gives you the opposite feeling of of euphoria. I guess it kind of brings you down. Um, but to compensate for that, the brain actually increases the production of a um, sensitivity receptors to euphoric hormones like beta endorphin. So um, yeah, so it's like you're having this this kind of negative effect, but that the hormetic effect, your brain um, or your body kind of kicks into making you more sensitive to the feel good hormones. Um, and also, they found in these studies that these changes are actually semi permanent. So people who are use, using a sauna regularly will actually just be um, more happy in day-to-day life. Hmm. So good for depression and anxiety as well. Well, I wonder if that's yeah. why when people are feeling down, someone says, you have to have a spa day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it probably is. Or stressed, yeah. you know, to high performance lifestyle, whatever that is, and then detox with a spa. Yeah. One of the bloggers who wrote a very good article said that he was literally addicted to his son. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing he will do in the morning is just, he has his own at his home, and he just go down there and turns it, turns it on and gets in there. And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One well, other thing, actually, that it's really good for the, for the brain in general. Uh, is that saunas actually increase the hormone BDNF, which stands for brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And that's like super fertilizer for the brain, basically. It really helps with uh, brain um, plasticity and is a very effective way of combating anxiety and depression. So that's like another pathway that kind of helps with that. Yeah. Interestingly enough, um, cold also also increases that as well. It upregulates the production of that. So I guess, I mean... Um, in the Scandinavian cultures. I'm not sure whether they do it in Russia. Um, uh-huh. I think, Gabby, did you say they, you know, the sweat lodge, um, is that situated, or the sauna, is that si- sauna, sorry. Uh-huh. Is, the yeah. sauna, is, it, is it situated next to like um, a, a lake or a river or something? Everybody because... has their own sauna in their daches, which is like a, a garden, you know? Uh, yes, it's a miss nature. That's why kids do it. All the family do it. You know, all they all go in together. And in the winter, yes, they do the sauna and then they go out 
on the snow. Yeah, it's the same as in in Finland. Um, I, I went to Finland a few years ago, and and I actually got to experience that as well. Um, wow. And we were in the we were in the sauna, and they were um, you know slapping our backs with these birch leaves. These these. Yes. Bark. <laughs> And, um, <laughs> and yeah, as you said, you know, that's, that's, that's meant to help, uh, help, help the release of toxins out of the skin. But then immediately after sort of like 15, 20 minutes in the, in the sauna, you would run across, run across like a small bridge and jump directly into the lake. And that's, yeah. um, that's <laughs> apparently the tradition in all of these sorts of cultures. Um, and I think there's some, whether they knew it or not, I guess, um, maybe the way that they came about, that that tradition came about was that they knew it felt so good, <laughs> but the, the mm. science actually really shows that, um, that when you switch between really warm temperatures and then really cold temperatures, and you do that a few times, um, you can see some amazing things like Doug, you just said the, um, the BDNF, uh, that mm-hmm. rapidly increases with cold. And, you know, there's, um, the person who you're talking about, Gabby, the guy who wrote the article, his name's, Ben Greenfield, and I know that he's a big proponent of this as well. Is that doing cold therapy mixed in with um, with saunas, with saunas, and um, and yeah, you can get some really amazing, amazing results. I mean, in his personal experience, he says that he's never had a better night's sleep after he's done the sauna and then um, gone into cold water and then gone into the sauna and then gone into cold water again. He says it just, you know, it knocks him out every single night. And um, and it's wow. interesting to see how the research is, you know, sort of backing this stuff up now. Yeah, it's very fascinating. I think the yes, the the medical uh, applications of these saunas, uh, I see a lot of potential because it's basically for free, cheap. You know, we're not mm-hmm. we're not even talking about a far infrared sauna blanket, which can be very expensive. Uh, people, at least in Russia, they make their own saunas. It's very simple, you know. <laughs> it doesn't look like you know very expensive at all, and um, and it's a great opportunity also to socialize, to you know get together. Um, mm-hmm. So it makes me wonder also about the spiritual experiences described in some cultures, like na- Native Americans, when they where they do, they use sweat lodge, you know, for to, you know, for better mood, but also but also spiritual experiences. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, well, this, um, oh. yes. <laughs> I, was I was just going to say, I, no, you go ahead, Gabby. <laughs> I was just going to add the uh, the birch tree, which is uh, Elliot mentioned it. I think that was uh, like uh, they use it for detox uh, purposes. I don't know specifically the properties of the birch tree, but um, they use everything like the liquid of the of the bark tree. Then uh, they use the branches, uh, and you know you get a big beating <laughs> after the sauna with it. And I think that was the key that, you know, made me pee so much afterwards because I have done far infrared sauna and I never had that urge before with my, with a far infrared sauna. Hmm. They beat the pee out of you? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh God. It's like, this is like spirit release therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know well, in I sweat lodges the too, they, has... oh, go on, Doug. I was just going to say, I wonder if birch has actually some kind of diuretic property or something like that. But go ahead, Erica. 
Oh, well, in uh, sweat lodges, too, sometimes they put eucalyptus leaves on the rocks to um, help with respiratory issues, uh, breathing, open up pathways in the lungs and whatnot. So I wonder if it's a similar thing, if it's got that same sort of property for the skin. Mm. Yeah. Like, it's the therapeutic modality. Like, you can put in the sauna several, you know, essential oils, for example, that you can breathe. Mm -hmm. Or you can do a scrub with a special essential oil in your skin. We used honey. And, yes, I felt like I had a baby face afterwards. Like, oh. (laughs) So, Gabby, do you know how they actually built their own sauna? No, I had a a look at it. It was, you know, like a perfect cabin made out of wood. It was perfect in the sense that it was all sealed. You know, nothing got out or in. And they fed it with um, the heat was was produced with wood. And I do remember reading one of the articles in preparation for this show that the wood you use to bur- uh, the burning wood, uh, yes, some are better than others. And uh, then inside, um, what they had is like a stove, like a old style stove, and they will pr- uh, they will pour, pour water any now and then to produce a lot of steam. Mm-hmm. It gets very hot. I got in and I was just, oh, I just want to get out now. <laughs> so, oh, wow. And no way out. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I breathed slowly and yes, it got better. And, uh, and how long were you yes, in again? I think it was like between 10 and 20 minutes. The time we got, okay. um, we got scrubbed and then we sat down. And uh, we talked a little bit, and uh, we had a cold shower, and then we did the um, the birch tree branches, uh, mm-hmm. and then afterwards we got out. So it was like twenty minutes at the most, mm-hmm. and then the kids got in. First were the huh. woman, you know, <laughs> and then the kids. You know, it was like you know, how old was he? He was like six years old. And, uh, at the most, wow. they got in and they spent quite a while inside. You know? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty amazing. Well, I know I read that um, they make a lot of these uh, saunas out of cedar in uh, Scandinavian countries. One because it's they have a lot of cedar trees around, but also because cedar is resistant to mold and bugs. So. You, if you want to try and plan oh. to make your own, cedar will be a good choice to use because it's resistant to bugs and mold. And plus, it smells good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it smells amazing. Yeah. Well, I was reading some really interesting research about saunas, too, where they were talking about how it's really good for um, people who have blood sugar issues. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, they did a study where they took insulin-resistant diabetic mice uh, and they were given 30 minutes of hyperthermic treatment, so sauna treatment essentially, uh, three times a week for, for 12 weeks. And by the end of that period, the mice had a 31% decrease in insulin levels and remarkably lowered blood sugar levels, um, both, both suggesting uh, increased uh, insulin sensitivity. Well, that's so something that you'll not hear from the American Diabetes Association. <laughs> <laughs> no, take your pills, take your pills. And still eat carbs. Yeah, yeah, lots of carbs. They, they need to sell insulin and anti-diabetic drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Not saunas. 
Well, I have a question for for Elliot on on um, sunlight. Hmm. Is it is it possible to get a lot of these similar effects from getting (laughs) sunlight on your skin, Elliot? Do you know our our light guru? Um, well, if it's a, if it's an infrared sauna, yeah, you have different types of infrared. So depending on the frequency of the electromagnetic energy, um, that's how they classify what is near infrared or far infrared. So some of the articles that we've read for the show, um, there are some people who think that having a near infrared sauna is much more beneficial than having a far infrared sauna and that's because the the different qualities of the frequency of infrared energy um they do different things essentially and i was thinking well (laughs) if um you know instead of simply sticking to one band of infrared energy um when you're out in the sunlight direct sunlight uh, you're actually getting all of the frequencies of infrared and mm. if the sunlight's hot enough and you've got your clothes off the chances are you're going to be sweating anyway so technically i mean we've got a sauna in our gardens <laughs> when we're willing to go out and spend enough time in the sun you know i would imagine that theoretically it may have the same effect as a sauna um as a sauna sorry <laughs> but maybe maybe you have to stay out there longer I don't know. Mm. Do you sweat a lot when you are taking sun baths? When, when I'm outside? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. But I... I you just laying tend, there, right? In, in this, yeah, I mean, in the summer, I usually do tend to spend about 12 to 14 hours outside <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> With okay. maybe short wow. like five minute breaks or something but i tend to in i mean this summer i haven't really spent much time on my computer and uh, one because i can't really see the screen outside and because <laughs> it's been so nice so i've actually spent most of my time just reading loads of books um but yeah i i i mean i've i haven't been in, a, in an infrared sauna before but i've you know i i i uh i went in the the sauna in finland sauna in finland and um yeah, I mean, sitting out in the sun for sort of like eight hours, I, I, I feel the same as I did when I went in the sauna. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that, you know, it's it's a similar sort of concept. Mm-hmm. It might just so, take a little right. bit longer. Yeah, do, do you get sunburn? No, no. In fact, at the start of the summer, I did. Um, I, I, I got really sunburned, actually, but then it just stopped. Um, yeah. My skin seems to have adapted, and I don't really—I don't look like I'm from England. <laughs> I could probably be from Gambia or something. But, um, but honestly, people—I I walk into the shop. I mean, this happens so often nowadays. I walk into the shop, and someone says to me, "Oh, have you been on holiday? Where have you been?" I say, "I've been in England. I've been in my garden. Why are, why are you in your garden?" It's there. You don't need to go on holiday to get the sun. It's always there. It's just sometimes uh, you just have to spend a bit more time in it. (laughs) I've actually found that too, though, with uh, the beginning. At the beginning of the summer, I'll often get a sunburn. But by the end of the summer, I'm totally fine. I've adapted to it and I'm no longer burning, even without any kind of 
creams or cover-ups or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, there's some people who actually would say that sunburn is um, is beneficial because mm. what sunburn is, is essentially when the sunlight hits the skin, it induces the release of something called nitric oxide. So nitric oxide is a neurotransmitter which vasodilates. It basically opens up your capillaries. Okay. And the, the redness of the sunburn... Um, I mean, this this does get quite complex, but essentially what what sunlight does is it makes your skin red. And that's so that your blood can absorb the UV light uh, contained within the sun, uh, because that is essentially what part of your blood does. You've got a chemical called put. Well, it's a it, we know is hemoglobin, but there's another um, substance that's very like hemoglobin and it's actually called porphyrins. And what this function is, is to absorb UV light. Um, and so when, when the sunlight hits your skin, it, it opens up the veins. It does that for the very reason of absorbing more UV light into the blood. And so, so sunlight, um, or, or sunburn per se could, you know, there's some people who say that it's actually a deficiency of sunlight in the first place. Mm-hmm. And if you mm-hmm. are getting enough sun, then, um, then, you know, the, it, it, you don't get it <laughs> if that makes any sense it's a lot more complex yeah. than that but yeah well it sounds like as with all things you have to start slow and slowly expose your if you're a light-skinned person expose yourself slowly so your body can have time to adapt don't just go out and spend two hours in the sun and then say oh my god i'm sunburned <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah uh, i mean Go on, Doug. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, we had a chatter ask about the potential damage of long um, exposure to the sunlight. And, you know, please elaborate, Elliot. No, I was just going to say, to be honest, from from the research that I've read, um, and there's quite a lot of it piling up, is that the people who spend more time in the sun actually have less incidence of skin cancer. They have less incidence of many diseases, actually. I think what, mm. it, I think what it comes down to is, is also you have to factor in um, your heritage, you know, your, your genetics, essentially. Like, if you're from, say, you're nor- Northern European, like, say you're from Scandinavia, you know, you're from Britain or something. If you were to go down into Africa or somewhere on the equator and expect that you would be able to take that amount of sun um, permanently. I mean, that, that may cause damage. However, again, like I can't find any convincing research that actually says that sun exposure does cause these things. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I I would tend toward thinking that it does the opposite, but then again, you know, um, it's probably debatable. Well, I yeah. think it actually has a lot to do with the person's condition before getting into the sunlight. If somebody is very toxic and they're not really, like we said, able to sweat um, as readily, so they're not eliminating the toxic uh, buildup in the skin, I think a lot of times the sunlight can actually, um, you know, kind of react with that um, or mm-hmm. cause release of those sorts of things. Um, so if a person is very toxic and they have toxic skin, then I think that um, excessive sunlight exposure can actually lead to some issues like maybe skin cancer or something like that. But I think if a person is is pretty clean, um, then sunlight exposure should not be causing something like that. I mean, or not. <laughs> o- 
Yes, it's. Uh, I think there is something to it. I was just you. You were putting the example of skin cancer, but there is also a whole spectrum of autoimmune diseases where the conditions mm. get worse when you get exposed to the sun. But it's mm. people that are very sick, you know, and they have really big issues. And like again, that is show. where using an alternative method like a far infrared sauna can come in. You can still get the benefits mm-hmm. of infrared light, but you don't have to worry about the burning or the you know not being able to regulate your internal thermostat as much as if you're in a hot atmosphere because uh, with the infrared sauna you're basically heating your skin not necessarily all the air around you as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and there are some autoimmune conditions that actually benefit from sun exposure as well so it's kind of not clear-cut there either there's some speculation that the increase in vitamin d production can be very helpful Mm-hmm. for um, mm-hmm. autoimmune stuff but you know you got to be careful with it because it could go either way yeah you have to there's, evaluate it uh, on a case-by-case basis mm-hmm. there's a, a chatter who's quoting the research about the l form bacteria the l bacteria and mm-hmm. from what i remember is basically there is a dysregulation of the vitamin d receptor so mm-hmm. basically they don't get like real vitamin d you know natural you know that your body can use there is a dysregulation. It actually ends up feeding bacteria. So there are people doing a specific protocol when they actually, you can discern them because they wear dark glasses and they look like mummies, you know, <laughs> they avoid yeah, the sun at all costs. That's them. Yeah. <laughs> but there's also yeah, been research that the sun can be a very good antibacterial, uh, I don't know. It, it kills bacteria, like yeah. people put their clothes out or put, you know, their tools out in the sun and it kills the bacteria off of it. Yeah, I think the yeah. key is uh, toxicity again, like mm-hmm. killing, you know, the mitochondria or the root of the problem. Because it reminds me even the Gulf oil spill, you know, um, some people, you know, there's lots of sun there. People, you know, have very nice suntans. And um, I remember some people reporting vitamin D deficiency only after the Gulf oil spill. So I think the toxicity like nuked the, nuked something in them, and they started having this deficiency, even though they had the same sun exposure as before. So yeah, I think it's a uh, so several factors, and definitely like you know, detoxing you know seems to be the key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of research too how saunas are very beneficial for people who have chronic pain. I don't know mm-hmm. if you oh, yeah. laid out in the sun. I mean, it just feels so good on your your aching joints. That's why a lot of people, older people, if they have arthritis, they'll move to Arizona or someplace really sunny like that, and they notice the, a decrease in their pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like synovial, synovial fluid uh, starts to flow better yeah. through the joints. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They say, I mean, a lot of the immediate um, pain-killing effects, they say, can be from uh, the opioid-like chemicals that we were talking about before. They're kind of your body's natural painkillers. Mm-hmm. Um, but specific with um, sauna therapy, they've even found that it can um, have more long-term benefits, um, even with uh, things like uh, chronic pain, like fibromyalgia or things mm-hmm. like that. Um, it, they, they think that maybe a lot of that benefit is coming from like the tissues when they're exposed to heat become more elastic. 
Yeah. Uh, things like collagen, tendons, fascia, that sort of thing. So they're more flexible with the increased temperature. So it can kind of really loosen things up. Um, but yeah, they've, they found that, um, you know, doing sauna therapy, the, the benefits can actually persist for like months after the treatment. So yeah, I noticed it, that it couldn't as well. just be the, the, sorry. Yeah. Uh, speaking of loosening things up, uh, I've stayed, uh, at a friend's house on vacation once we stayed there for a couple of weeks and they had a sauna, a dry sauna in their house. It wasn't far infrared or anything, but I noticed that when I got into the sauna and started sweating, I was able to bend all the way backwards. And I was just so <laughs> loose. <laughs> so wow. It definitely does do something to the collagen. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's evident from even doing like the hot, sweaty yoga ones. Yeah. Like the ones where they actually crank the heat up in the room when you're doing the yoga. People become much more flexible and able to do more. Yeah, I have a caveat on that, though. I think... Yeah. Uh, uh, Hot yoga people also, because their muscles are much more elastic, they tend to hurt themselves more, right? Because yeah. they feel like they're much more stretchy and then, you know, they may not feel the effects for two or three days afterwards. But I would say be careful with that because all of a yeah. sudden you're <laughs> like, oh, I can touch my toes. And two days later you can't walk, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like a tool for overdoing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But this is something definitely to have in mind because now with the epidemic of opioid intake, you know, since it, big pharma is really pushing on that and everybody's – like the show you guys did, you know, there's a vicious cycle that opioids create, artificial ones, and mm -hmm. it enhances the pain and everybody's getting like hooked up in these drugs. And, you know, just to read all the, just reading all the research available on the normal saunas, you know, not even far infrared, it's very promising. You know, you release your own natural opioids. It's re it really works wonders for painkiller, as a painkiller. Mm -hmm. So, and people, you know, yes, there are specific medical problems, but people seem to tolerate, tolerate it fairly well, at least five, ten minutes, you know. Mm -hmm. There's another interesting thing about saunas is that it actually apparently increases your resilience to stress. Um, people who have um, HPA axis um, disbalance can actually bring it back in line by doing regular saunas. Um, they actually will lower cortisol and um, ACTH. What is that? Acetylcholine? No, that's a adrenocortisone. There we go. Yeah, work. lowers those too. <laughs> well, that's good because, you know, cortisol is almost impossible to lower. You have to, like, buy phosphatidylcholine. This supplement is super expensive and it doesn't even work in all people. So there mm. you go. Do a sound. <laughs> yeah. And another good thing about sweating in a sauna, not just releasing um, heavy metals, but you can also... Uh, sweat out pesticides and PCBs too. Mm -hmm. So now they're and doing BPA. Yeah, all this pesticide spraying and all the polluted plastics that people drink out of, you can mm -hmm. get rid of some of that stuff too. You mentioned uranium at the beginning of the show, right? Mm, I might have. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably one of the ones. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Sauna. For 
detoxing mm-hmm. uranium and arsenic and mercury. But Elliot, yeah. you brought up something interesting in the the chat, which I wanted to bring up because I came across this during the research about uh, saunas that are run on electricity. You expose yourself to EMF. So what's the trade-off here? <laughs> is, is it worth exposing yourself to a bit of EMF and at the same time sweat out a bunch of toxins? <laughs> well, uh, I guess, again, it's debatable. Uh, there's some people who say that it was worth it, other people who say that it kind of negates the benefits. Mm. Um, but that is something to consider, which I think is important, is that when... I mean, and this is especially with the far infrared blankets, um, despite some of their, you know, clear benefits, um, what we have to remember is that we are putting uh, something that is essentially holding an electromagnetic frequency. We're, we're, we're putting that directly on our skin. And um, even 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 with with the ones that aren't the blankets, you know, like the um, when you walk into the cubicle, mm-hmm. they they do emit powerful microwave radiation, which is similar to Wi-Fi or um, cell phone radiation. So mm. essentially, uh, that is something to consider. Um, so Julie, we have to build our own saunas, mm-hmm. just like the yeah. And the <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> But there's also the the research that says that the more toxic you are, the more sensitive you are to EMF radiation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess it's exactly. something you have to decide for yourself. <laughs> well, apparently the near infrared sauna is actually a lot more, um, or a lot. There's a lot less EMF emitted by a near infrared, mm-hmm. and it seems, from what I've read, it seems to have a lot of the same benefits. Mm-hmm. So maybe near infrared is actually the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in another. So adver- oh, oh yeah. I was just gonna say, uh, go on, Gabby. No, no, you finish. <laughs> oh, so um, in our show description, we talked about sweat lodges, which obviously don't have any sort of EMF. Yeah. Have any mm. of you had an experience in a sweat lodge? Have not. No. But want to. My ru- my Russian banya is like a sweat lodge. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I've personally had experience in sweat lodges, and um, we have some good articles on SOT about how they're being used to help post-traumatic stress disorder in veterans. Mm-hmm. And um, I will say it is really uh, an emotional experience as well, um, in addition to what we've been talking about in the show, all the heat and one thing that's very interesting about a sweat lodge, and if it's done in, in a whole traditional manner, they, you know, take days to prepare the site and build the lodge. And how, pick, how is the lodge actually made? Um, usually with tree uh, branches. Obviously, you wouldn't want to use PVC plastic, mm-hmm. though some people do <laughs> do that. Um, and... Tree branches, it's uh, made in a circle, and they're tied together with twine, and then uh, wool blankets are put on top. And usually on top of the wool blankets, then is some sort of tarp or plastic to keep the heat in. Mm. But um, what's really interesting about them is there's a whole, like, the Lakota tradition of blessing the rocks, and they have a water bear. And when you go in, um, it's completely dark. And so for a lot of people, that can be very challenging because you're basically sweating and you're in the dark. 
And um, the breathing is really important. So if you're not used to heat and you're in this room and there's, you know, eight to ten people, it can get really intense. And um, if you have a good person leading the lodge, they'll let you out. Obviously, they're not going to hold you in there. But it really um, is a challenge in overcoming discomfort. And when you're sitting in the dark, you know, there's all these kind of thoughts racing. And, and I've been in a lodge before uh, where people have had major emotional releases, you know, like crying and, and kind of pushing past that discomfort zone, if that makes sense. And um, they'll do four to eight rounds, sometimes at 20 minutes apiece. Um and then ideally you'd like to be next to a river or some sort of cold water to be able to chill out and then you can go back in. And um, it's really kind of a phenomenal experience. At first I was a little bit like, eh, that's a little weird. I don't know if I'm interested in that. But uh, when I did have an experience with it, I was pretty blown away by the whole thing. Now in the mm. sweat lodge that you were in, was there like chanting or singing going on or was it just complete silence? Um, it was, there was, uh, somebody led it and there was like a drum, you know, just like almost like a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they would lead kind of a discussion around the room, making sure everyone felt okay. And quite a few people in there were having, um, what could be explained as like a claustrophobic issues, you know, to be mm-hmm. in such a dark space, not be able to see things. And again, with a lot of people. And, um, you know, the opportunity to share, well, I'm afraid this is uncomfortable. And um, so it was almost like uh, sitting in the dark with with people and being able to discuss what you were going through emotionally. Mm. Mm. Do they smoke in there or they use medicinal herbs? Yeah, uh, that's uh, the eucalyptus um, on the rock. So you, you have to... Be very smart about the type of rocks because they heat rocks up. Uh, usually, uh, you know, river rocks, obviously you don't want them to explode when you put water on. So it, it's mm. definitely like a whole practice tradition that you need to be knowledgeable about. You don't just want to willy-nilly do it because it can be dangerous, as with anything. Mm. Well, uh, speaking of that, there was actually an incident um, a few years back where some... Uh, kind of new age guru type guy was leading a sweat lodge for people. And uh, three people actually ended up dying. Mm-hmm. So I think it it really does, it really does pay to be with somebody who actually knows what they're doing. Apparently he was really kind of pushing them to go past any kind of uh, pain or, or discomfort or anything like that. And really kind of, you know, discouraging them from, from kind of leaving the sweat lodge prematurely. And yeah, so these three people died. So yeah, you do so have I to think that's all. that's important. That's an important reminder. Yeah, I think yeah. they said I mean, that they spent he didn't like know what he was doing. two hours in a lodge, which is too long of a time, and they were getting sick and mm. nauseous and vomiting, and he still wanted them to stay in there. They yeah. paid like ten thousand dollars for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, ten thousand dollars for death. Yeah, so make sure you get with a trusted guru who actually knows about the science of sweat lodges and yeah. allows for breaks. There's two hours in a sweat lodge. That's very excessive. 
And if you're feeling any kind of sickness, nausea, or anything like that, whether you're just out in the sun or if you're in a sauna or a far infrared blanket, you need to get out. (laughs) Yeah. It's too much. And kind of like what Gabby was saying, uh, this one that I did, there was children in there too, uh, as young as six years old. And it was, the focus was really on them feeling comfortable and, and, you know, they could probably spend, uh, 10 minutes. It's funny because, you know, kids are talking, oh, it's dark, you know, mm. but, um, the, the leader of the lodge was, was very much on it as far as like at any time if you're feeling nauseous. Uh, they would suggest to bring in like a, um, not a towel, but like a light piece of cloth wet so if you started to feel intensely overwhelmed you could try putting the cloth on your head and then uh, kind of bringing your face closer to the ground you know as a suggestion and then if you really needed to get out you would get out right just by the exceptions it sounds like a very you know great experience i was reading that it is recommended for those with ptsd you know veterans you know Mm -hmm. um there was uh, Native Americans, you know, encouraging uh, people with PTSD having these experiences at the sweat lodge, you know, and they were chanting tribal, you know, tribal chants. Um, they were encouraged to pray in their own faith. And uh, apparently it works amazingly mm-hmm. well. Well, I just found some information that kind of counteracts that whole EMF argument, at least somewhat. Um, Apparently, there was a study in 2009 on mice that found in 30 days of um, periodic sauna therapy, a far infrared uh, therapy, it reduced tumors by 86%. Um, And there was another one where researchers in Japan um, found that whole body hyperthermia, so like it putting yourself uh, in a far infrared sauna, like the whole body, uh, slowed the growth of breast cancer tumors in mice without any adverse side effects. Um, And another study showed that sauna treatment at just 43 degrees uh, Celsius for 60 minutes caused the death of bone cancer cells. Hmm. Uh, And apparently sauna therapy also increases the effectiveness of conventional cancer treatments, such as radiation and chemotherapy. So, I don't know. I mean, to me, that sounds like maybe the EMF thing might be a little bit less um, drastic than what people are saying. I don't know. To be honest, when I read about it, I thought, oh, this is a marketing, you know, technique, you know, to, mm-hmm. <laughs> because these, these, you know, these saunas, they are expensive, you know. Mm-hmm. And actually, the far infrared blanket, it's uh, the cheapest version that you can get from all of what is available. Well, unless you make your own <laughs> on, the, on your garden. But as far as far, as far infrared sauna goes, yeah, the cheapest is the, the, the zipper, you know, cabin, uh, cabin unit that mm-hmm. Tiffany was mm-hmm. talking about, or the blanket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as I, as I said, it's probably debatable. But, mm. I mean, from what from what I've looked at, um, the reason I think that the infrared sauna is so effective at what it does um, is because of the effect that it has on water within the body. Um, mm. 
the effect that it has on structuring uh, exclusion zone water and uh, the 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 effects of that um and the 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 only thing that i think about is when you know even if you've got your your phone on airplane mode or something just the electronic signal that's coming off of the device that's turned on um is is still picked up by the body and you know unfortunately uh emfs have a have an interesting effect is that they they dehydrate the cell of water and they prevent the exclusion zone from being able to build so i don't necessarily discount you know the the fact that um that in in the in the short term they they are very beneficial but i think as a long term solution um the the you know the sun can provide all, all of those frequencies anyway i mean like you know um that's the way that we would naturally get these frequencies in nature and so i think um you know unless you've got a, a real issue with with a sensitivity to sunlight um mm-hmm. then then i would imagine that um that you know you you would want to limit your emfs while still getting the the infrared and the way that you could do that is simply go out into the sunlight that's the way that i, I would see it anyway that could be wrong but you know mm. yeah well i think there's so many so options to too for now with uh spas and and gyms having these saunas built in there's both dry and even steam rooms <laughs> steam rooms are kind of hard to take because the air is just so thick uh, i guess if you have mm. a lot of breathing problems it may or may not be something that you would choose to put yourself in yeah they're even building saunas out of himalayan salt and we've talked about mm-hmm. that on a previous show so it is a dry sauna, both heated with the salt and helps with respiratory issues for sure. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Yeah. It's like those mines in some Eastern European country, which are very rich in salt. And people with asthma go there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Treat themselves. So this be a good time to go to the pet health segment. The yeah. I think so. It's on cold <laughs> and hot therapy for your pets. Hello and welcome to the pet health segment of the Health and Wellness Show. My name is Zoya. And today I would like to talk about possible ways to speed up or ease up recovery of pets from illness, particularly mentioned cold or heat therapies. I already talked about this before as part of the segment about inflammation, but this topic is definitely worth revisiting. So cold therapy should be used on new injuries within 24 to 48 hours. It is used for local swelling, pain and inflammation which is body's response to the tissue damage and the pain. The cold helps to numb the area and causes vasoconstriction, which slows the flow to the area and reduces fluid buildup in the area. It treats the swelling and redness, but it's important to note that it does not treat the actual injury 
which should be seen by your regular veterinarian. You should apply cold to the uh, area as soon as possible to reduce the amount of swelling, redness and pain. It can also be used on muscles after you take your pet on a long hike or run or exercise that can also cause inflammation and pain. You can use many different items to apply cold therapy to a pet. Commonly used are ice packs, uh, but frozen vegetables work really well. They conform to the injury and can be refrozen. You can also buy commercial products to freeze and refreeze that work uh, great just as well. Cold therapy should be applied as quickly after the injury as possible. You should apply cold therapy for 10 to 20 minutes at a time, uh, giving your pet's tissues a break between applications. Uh, you need to always have a barrier between your cold or frozen item and the skin and never leave them on uh, for too long uh, as it can cause tissue damage. Now about heat therapy. Heat therapy is most commonly used on chronic uh, long-term injuries or for infected wounds or abscesses. It can be a source of relief uh, to muscles and can be used to treat spasms, uh, soreness due to exercise and can increase range of motion. Heat treatment on infected wounds can help draw out the infected materials. It is most commonly recommended after 48 hours. Heat is very, very calming and increases blood flow to the area of the body it is applied to. It carries oxygen and nutrients to the tissues and carries away toxins and lactic acid, which is responsible for muscle soreness after exercise. You should use heat therapy for an ongoing source of pain and aggravation from soreness and stiffness. When using heat on your pet for exercise purposes, it should always be applied beforehand, not after. You can use many different items to apply heat therapy to your pet. Commonly used warm towels or washcloths that has been run under hot water. They conform to the injury and can, wash, can be washed and reheated. The washable feature is especially helpful if you are using it on the abscess or infected wound that is draining. Never apply heat directly to the skin. Uh, there, there need to be always two layers of fabric between your pet and a hot water bottle or heating pad. Pets that are immobile or sedated are at high risk to be burned by heat therapy, so special care is needed. You should apply heat therapy for 10 to 20 minutes at a time, giving your pet's tissue a break between applications just with the, just like with cold therapy. You should periodically check with your hand to ensure that heat therapy is warm, but not hot enough to burn us or to burn or injure. You also shouldn't he use heat therapy on an open wound or on stitches after surgery. There are other two methods that can assist in the recovery from injury, but it is mostly applicable to dogs, like walking. Walking is excellent therapy for dogs with mobility issues and those who are recovering from certain uh, surgeries. Walking can help increase your pet's range of motion, promote uh, normal gait and movement, improve strength and muscle mass, uh, promote good circulation, improve endurance, and help prevent joint uh, degeneration. Another method is hydrotherapy or exercising in water. 
It is one of the best all-around rehabilitation therapies because it reduces swelling and pooling of fluid in the body, improves muscle mass, strength, and the range of motion, increases endurance, encourages weight loss, and decreases pain. But of course, both these methods should be initiated after consulting with your veterinarian or your pet therapists. Well, this is it for today. Thank you for listening and have a great weekend. Those are some goats that have been in the sun. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting the heat on. (laughs) That was very interesting. Yeah. So don't leave your dogs in a hot car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not therapy. No. No. I don't think dogs sweat either. I think they just pant. (laughs) <laughs> Don't they sweat on the the balls of their feet? Mm, maybe. Something to look up. The nose? Or the nose? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Maybe maybe Zoya will clarify it for us. <laughs> yes. Do dogs sweat? <laughs> yeah, well through their paws. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, through their paws. That was right. Yeah, so if uh, anybody have anything else they must share about getting the heat on, (laughs) personal testimonials. (laughs) No? I think we covered it. Yeah. So the recipe for today is to do a sauna. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Infrared or, or sunlight recommended few more months here before winter comes. Or build a sweat lodge. <laughs> yeah. Get your sweat on. Get your sweat on. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, chatters and listeners. We're glad you could make it today. And uh, we look forward to hearing from people. Feedback is always good. And uh, we'll be back next week with another stimulating, informative topic. (laughs) (laughs) Have an excellent day. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye.